Hey y'all, it's your girl KDT, and I know I sound like a broken record, but this is yet another pre-recorded episode that we're bringing to you today. This one I was excited to do after meeting this phenomenal woman on Clubhouse. This social media influencer was able to grow a Facebook group organically to nearly 50,000 members in less than a year. She may be over 50,000 now. She decided to start the group after having a very negative experience in a similar group after the murder of George Floyd. Find out how this simple stand has given her the opportunity to influence thousands of women to let their voice be heard in a space where we're not seen nearly enough. You ready? Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It is a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we're facing on a daily basis. And I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson, and I am excited for my guest today. So y'all, right, I got on Clubhouse, my goddaughter invited me and I got the invite. And when I first got on, I was like, it's just people talking, it's too much. And then I got hooked into this room and I have met some um, amazing people, made some great friendships there. And the person who runs that club, that room is with me today, Shar, how are you? I'm doing great, Miss Karen with an eye. <laughs> <laughs> I know Karen with an eye. So I have been following <laughs> your room on Clubhouse, girl. Clubhouse. I'm hooked. The brown and blue. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm loving it. Thank you. Well, first, thank you so much for joining the club and coming in the room. You have been a burst of energy since I first met you on Clubhouse and it's been nothing but amazing. So I just want to say thank you for being a part of the club and inviting me to be on your podcast. Well, thank you so much. So why don't we start with you telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Shar. I am a crafter for life. I'm an entrepreneur, a mom, um, all those other titles. Um, you can come up with a wife, a friend, um, but I am very passionate about business and crafting. Those have been my two things I have enjoyed the most, um, even in my journey as being a mom, um, doing all the things that I do in my everyday life. Um, crafting has always been my go-to. Um, it's the core of me. Um, I've never been able to shake it or get away from it because it just does so much for you uh, mentally relaxing, all those great things. So I am a crafter at heart. Um, that's that's pretty much in a quick nutshell of who I am, what I do. I've been doing it for about 20 years, um, actually 20 plus years because this will be my 20, oh, my husband probably laughed at me, 22, 23 years. I first started crafting, making my own wedding um, centerpieces. And that's how I really got started into crafting. And so I had something to offer in a space. So what got you started with that? Why did you decide, hey, I think I'm going to try making my own centerpieces? A price. <laughs> it was so much stuff that I wanted to do for my wedding. And um, I did the biggest mistake most brides would do. I'm like, I can plan my wedding myself. Mind you, I had never done one before. Um, uh, my husband and I was like, okay, we want to get married. And it's like, mm, yeah, that costs too much. And once I got back a call, a glue gun, had never done anything close to it. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to figure it out and make it myself. And I think just having that mindset of I will figure it out and make it myself. Um, that was in 1998. We got married in 99. So 98, I said, hey, I'm just going to figure it out. And there was no YouTube or I think Google was barely a search engine at the time. 
Um, you just had to figure it out basically between magazines, um, different craft stores at the time that you would try different supplies with. But I just knew it was something I wanted to make. And I just started just playing around with stuff and putting, um, I think I did those little, um, at the time it was really popular with the wine glasses with the tool of the netting around it to put the candy in the middle of it with the little ribbon on it. Mm -hmm. um, everybody was doing it. I seen it at a few people's wedding and I just said, I'm gonna try it. That's what I want for my wedding. And I started from there. Literally, that's how I got started. And what was it that you liked about it that you said, you know what, I think I got a knack for this. I'm going to continue, especially when, you know, we're going to get to how we, where we are today, where it had, it's been exploding. But, you know, as you said back then, there weren't as many places for you to go to get maybe a little tutorial. So what was it that it sparked in you that made you say, I think this is something I'm, I'm going to continue to do? I think after putting a couple things together, um, playing around with it, just the netting itself, you know, I would just take them apart and just see how that they put this together. And then uh, maybe ask a few questions in the store, <clears throat> you know, looking at things and how it was done. And then after, I think those couple pieces that I put together, I, I made the wine glasses, went and bought, I think it was Dollar Tree glasses, to be honest, and spray painted them. My wedding colors were teal, black, and silver. And I remember spray painting the glasses and everybody was talking about these centerpieces. I just knew I just made something for, made something for my wedding that I wanted on the tables to save me money. Um, and then I think just the conversation people were saying about them, of how they like them. And of course, you know, you go to the wedding, you want to take something from the wedding as a souvenir. Um, so the glasses went and then I just started going from there and start making gift baskets, um, different little things to experiment with. I was um, frosting um, glasses, what they're currently doing now, the etching. I was etching mirrors back then and putting flowers on. I remember making my mom something for Mother's Day, which is a custom mirror set that matched her living room that went on the floor. And I just frosted the glass, trimmed it in the flowers, and she loved it. And then there were people that were asking me to do different things. And I would take things to work and they would just be all in awe about it. And I just, from there, I think just hearing, you know, people's excitement about the things that I was creating. And then I started getting more into it and just trying to find different things to make. And it just grew from there. And that's really what's the starting point of it. So let's fast forward to, you know, today where we've got YouTube, we have Facebook. And um, I was just intrigued by uh, the parts of your story that I heard after I joined the, uh, the club and clubhouse. And I want you to just kind of explain some of that journey to uh, the audience, because now you have your own Facebook group, right? And we'll get into that in the number of, of, of members that you have. But, you know, we, we fast forward and now we've got all of this stuff on the Internet and you joined some Facebook groups to get to know a few people. Right. And, and what happened after you joined some of these crafting groups that we now see on a lot of social media platforms? Oh my gosh, crafting has grown so much. Like I said, when I first started back in 98, um, just over time, you know, when social media came aboard, you really didn't see much in crafting. People were still trying to figure out Facebook. Um, and at the time, I think back in the late 2000, mid 2000s, going into 2015, all up in that time frame, you know, I was making um, like uh, candy wrappers and chip bag covers. Again, all these things that we're currently seeing now, we're talking about 10 years ago, you know, I was making them. Uh, but you still didn't see much in crafting on Facebook. And then I did it more at leisure or when people asked me for orders. 
and moving, you know, just from there. And then within the last couple of years, you know, crafting kind of started becoming more present on Facebook. And then there were, um, I started joining uh, a lot of craft groups that I saw popping up. If you just type in craft on Facebook, you can see some of the groups. And I really started getting into the Cricut machine because I wanted to see like, wow, you could do a lot with these making, you know, centerpieces, those um, like character, character centerpieces. And from there, you will learn little tips. And, you know, there's a couple um, well-known influencers um, in the cricket space. And from there, I did learn some things. You would ask questions from there. Um, it was pretty, I won't say it was diverse groups. You knew the majority of what were, you know, who were in the groups. And then there were very uh, few groups that had majority like black and brown UDs in them is what I call them. And I can remember being in some groups and maybe some questions would be asked about certain projects. You might've got a response. It depends on what it was. Um, nothing awkward or odd. It was just, you kind of knew the flow of the groups. So then later you start seeing maybe somebody launched a group and it was supporting those that, you know, wanted to craft and, you know, bringing all the brown beauties together to craft. And I was in a few groups, but the mo the majority that I were I was a part of was the cricket groups and a few other craft groups. And during the time of, you know, the unfortunate with George Floyd, um, that was very, very sensitive. And then the whole thing with politics um, was happening at the time. And you started to see some of the groups change, the tone changed in quite a few of them. Um, and to me, that was the opportunity for the admins to um, kind of make it known what the group was really there for, which was to support crafters. Because again, crafting didn't have, it doesn't have much support even now, you know, not everybody speaks that craft language. And I would see things come through and, you know, it doesn't take much on social media a post goes up and there's 200 comments and none of them have anything to do with the question that was asked. It became more of a battle, a political battle. And then it became a more of, you know, the whole heated incident of black and brown lives mattering. And it just, to me, the groups changed. And I think it was just one day um, after, um, has it been a couple, like a day or two after, you know, the George Floyd incident and um, people were starting to post their projects more, you know, to express or, you know, protest and all of that, making shirts, um, yard signs, Black Lives Matter. And I remember one day being in two groups in particular and the comments just went way, way too far. And it had went on for two days and none of the admins uh, they didn't delete the comments. They didn't address the issue. They didn't remove the post. And I just, it kind of just stung me a little bit. And I just said, that's it. This is day two. I'm done. And I just opened up Facebook and created a group. I've done groups before. But that day, it was just, I'm going to make a group where you can post your Black Lives Matter projects and people can genuinely give you answers and feedback. And I think that second day when it happened and the comments were just so horrible from people and they weren't addressed. 
And I think a couple groups that I was in, I just started posting a link. Hey, if you want to come over here and share your projects in peace, well, craft, we see craft, not color. And I just went from there. And I think um, eventually those groups removed me. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I opened up that Facebook group with maybe 20, maybe 20 to 50 people, if that, that left and came and followed me and joined my group. And it just started, that's really how I got started. It was just from that, I was very frustrated what I saw in some of the groups. And it's been growing since. So about how many members would you say you have today? Oh, Miss Karen, today, I think I looked and I am at close to 40,000 and it's not even a year yet. May will make a year. So I knew, that's it, I knew it was up there. I knew it was up there. I knew it was up there. <laughs> we are at 40,000 active members because I get to see the um, activity log and it'll tell me growth. Um, I read those things. Those are very important to me because I didn't want to just have a group where it just had members in it. I wanted it to be helpful. I wanted it to be a safe space. You know, crafting is about being creative. You know, not everybody will get it. Not everybody will understand it. Uh, but when you are amongst other crafters, we know, you know, that was a late night thought you got up, there was some hard work put into it. There was some trial and error that went into it. So I wanted a group that celebrated those wins and accomplishments in a craft space because it takes a lot, you know, to, to create these things that we do. Um, there's no books or manuals on them. You are solely relying on your gut feeling, your creativity. You know, you can ask a question or two, you may get an answer and can figure it out but it's really just something that you vision in your mind and you just see it come into fruition and you'll start working on it. And I never imagined that it would get to, to be honest, I never saw 40,000 members in this group, never imagined it. I just wanted a space to post my projects because I love crafting and I didn't want anybody to be judged or attacked for posting something such as Black Lives Matter because I have two handsome brown sons and I just didn't want that to be you know what I'm saying? Something that kind of drove a wedge into the creativity and took the spotlight off of that. So now we're coming up on a year in May for the craft group. And I think, you know, and I'll ask you what your opinion is, but I do think that the fact that you've got that many in less than a year really speaks volumes. I know that for me, you know, once I started getting into it and I'm, I'm a different crafter, I'm, I don't see myself getting into t-shirts, tumbles. I mean, you never know. But for me, it's more of the journals, pens that go along with what my mission is as a part of in my shoes. But as I joined some groups to even get tips about that, you know, like somebody asked if somebody could make a patch for them. And it was a very distasteful comment against Black Lives Matter. And, and again, a lot of people went back and forth like, yo, where's the moderator? This is not OK, what we're doing. Uh, and it just made me feel like here we go again, something else where there doesn't seem to be a supportive space for women of color. I mean, that's part of why I started this podcast, because I felt like in my own life and situations I was in, you go into what you think is a safe space and then you find out not so much. And then you end up having to kind of navigate and create your own community. So what do you think it says about um you know, what was going on in those groups and maybe what some others were feeling that you've, you're almost, you know, you're 40,000 strong in less than a year. Again, I didn't imagine, I had no idea who was out there in these craft groups, who saw, you know, even my little comments in somebody else's comment about a project. That's literally what it was. 
and to get even some of the messages that I received. And just to tell you, even in those groups, it says brown and bougie for the craft group. I got some non-brown people that joined the craft group. And when they came, it was their comments of support that they gave, you know, stating, you know, just how they felt about things that they saw in the of the craft groups that was not being addressed or managed, you know, even given their apologies that I didn't think was necessary or that they were required to do, but just having their support of saying, you know, we get it, we support, we're here, you know, we acknowledge what's going on. And, you know, even just to support the creativity that was coming forth from people that were making, you know, those projects. So being in, in the group and transitioning over and seeing the difference, like I say, there's a mixture of people in the group, but hearing them, you know, speak their own minds of how they saw things going on in that group and was happy to be in a safe space um, to share, to have safe conversations that were not judgmental, that were not political. It was just based on that. These are creative projects that people are making to express what's going on that they see in their communities that's affecting so many people, you know, in their lives and not be attacked for it. And I think that that element alone was like the open door to say, hey, it's a welcoming space no matter what, with no judgment. And I think that's really what was the, the piece in the core for me. Because even when I created the group, I had this long announcement, here's what's not going to happen in this group. And that post is over a thousand comments and likes um, just from when I first opened it up of people that come into, into that space and they read it and they understand why I created the group. And it was not to call out anybody else being better. It was saying here, this is what we do here. We craft, we don't criticize, we support, we connect with one another. But yes, there are Black Lives Matter projects that will be posted in this group and we dare not judge those projects. And I think once that standard was set for the group, it was just it from there. And that's just been the growth. Even the feedback from people that invite others in, you know, uh, I read their comments, everything that they have to say, being a part of the group. And it's all been positive. Maybe one or two that said, you know, okay, this group is not for me. And they voluntarily left. It's been great. It's been very positive. And I do love that aspect also um, on Clubhouse. Uh, especially you can see people's profile pictures. And so it is beautiful to see that we can create this community of black and brown. And then those who are not black or brown who just all really understand that, hey, we're just here to be creative and we have a right to craft about what's going on in our community and not feel like you know we got to get into a political fight over it. Uh, so I really have enjoyed that being a part of, of both groups. And so the name of the group, we didn't really say it formally, is Brown and Bougie, which I love. So where <laughs> did you come up with the name Brown and Bougie, girl? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Brown and Bougie literally had nothing to do with crafting. When I tell you that day, I woke up very heated and bothered by those two craft groups. I had to think on my feet. Okay. What, what do I want to call this group? It has to be something that reflect who I am, what I stand for. That's really the Brown and Bougie was really a mentoring program because Bougie stands for something. So it was a mentoring program that I created for my girls and I to um, help other brown beauties, young girls, you know, build their confidence in their brown skin. And when I thought about them, like, it's really what the group is about being brown, you know, um, beautiful, you know, outgoing. Um, unique, gifted, intelligent, educated, 
you know, that's what the, the mentoring program stood for. And I'm like, at this point, it's just going to be brown and bougie crafters. And at the time, it was cricket crafters because I was using a cricket and that was the hottest thing at the time. Over time, it's changed to brown and bougie creative crafters because I wanted to encompass everything because not everybody that crafts uses a cricket. So I wanted everybody to feel like if you craft, this is the space for you. And um, I had to even make an announcement to say, you know, brown and bougie has nothing to do with you all. It's just really a name that fits me. Um, what I came up with It's just my personality. It's my identity. And I make no apologies about it. And people commented and they smiled in a heart and they thought it was cute. And it just stuck from there. It really was just that day I got up and said, I'm just going to create a group that I didn't have a specific name. I had no plan. I just opened up a group. <laughs> Well, this is me working. I know, right? It's working. It's working. So for those who are... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I thought for a minute it would... I had a thought in my mind like, wow, is this going to scare people off? And I said, well, if this scares them off, then I scare them off. So I can't change that. I I can't change who I am, you know, skin-wise. So I said, no, if I, if I created this and said it was going to speak to my personality, my style, my flow and who I am and the creative person I am, then why not just let it ride and go with it? And it's been well received by many. Um, they love hearing the story and the conversation of how I got started, uh, where it came from. But I figure, hey, if it works, let it work. So for those, before we go a little further, who are not crafters listening to this podcast, explain a little bit about what a cricket is. I know they're probably like, a cricket? What is that? Like an insect? What is that? (laughs) Cricket has been around for, oh, I'll get myself forgetting a number of years wrong. But if you remember, late, late in the middle of the night, there was these two ladies that would come on in the middle of the night on your screen, and this green little cricket just be cricketing across the at that time it was just a cartridges so it was a cutting machine and it can cut stars any shape letters and that was like the dream to have one of those but they were so expensive back then so they were in the middle of the night when all your programs went off and you saw this little machine and you put the cartridges in and did all those great things and then over time you know within the last couple years cricket the cutting machine um, it, you know, revamped and launched a new machine, which was the Air One. I might be getting them all off because there's different versions, but the uh, Explore One, sorry, that came forward, Explore or whatever. And then it came to the next one, the Two, the Air Two. So it's really just a machine that you see people making all these great designs with, whether they're cutouts, using it to make um, T-shirts. It's really just a cutting machine is the best way to describe it. It's a fancy cutting machine, which there are several out there, but that's really the most popular right now. And obviously I think, you know, it's it's clear why I wanted to have this conversation, just talking about um, as a person of color, a woman of color, how you had to create your own, because again, spaces where we think we're safe, we find out that's not always the case and that we need to build our own platform. But I've also noticed that maybe it's just me, you can tell me what your impression is, that there seems to be this um, notion uh, that crafting is not something that black and brown girls do. Like, I don't think people realize the number of sisters who are out here getting their side hustle on 
with these crickets or whatever other machine they're using, <laughs> right? That there seems to still be, you know, when you look at a lot of the influencers, they're not women of color. Um, when you hear a lot about, uh, when you see them on, on Facebook and other places, you don't ever really see women of color represented. Have you found that to be true? And why do you think that is? That is absolutely true. And if I go back to when I first started crafting, when I would go to craft stores, if you think about the flea markets that you probably attended, let's go back to late 90s, um, early 20s, 2000s, right? There were no black and brown beauties. That's just what I call us. Um, at these craft shows. If you really think about it, we were not even the minority. You might have found one or two that may have did crocheting. Um, I can remember maybe a couple, um, I remember buying from her, she had made these angels out of uh, seashells and a little wooden doll, uh, the little wooden uh, balls and painted them. I remember seeing those with the ribbon wrapped around it. Back then, we were there, but we weren't out there. So you might have saw a couple people doing some crafts, maybe at your local community center. So we really were not in the space, and we weren't present. So now, you fast forward. And I'm going to say, let's give us the last five, let's say five to seven years. Um, you start to see more of us coming forward doing some basic things, getting our feet wet out there, learning the space, um, but it took you asking questions. Now, did you get all of your answers? Probably not. Did you get a response? Mm, here and there, maybe. Um, it just depends. And then I think what happened with just some of the people that I know, it was really, we're gonna figure it out. And that took you being home, being creative and coming up with all these different crafts and projects um, getting more, you know, being more present at these craft shows. So then I started doing craft shows. I wasn't doing them before, but when I would go to them, even let's say 2013, 2015, um, you would see us at the craft shows, but, but we were more there than we were before, where I suppose it was one or two. Now you have a mixture. We're in there, but we're still not half and half amongst the crowd. And I think from there, um, it just started to grow where we started to push more to be in this space to say, hey, this is really something we can actually do. Um, we can build and grow from. Um, even when I was doing the um, candy bar wrappers back in the early, uh, mid, you know, 2013, 2015, it was there, but not as present. So then you see time go over, you know, more people are starting to get the buzz about it, um, more craft shows, um, craft shows at the schools were happening, and then you started seeing us surface up more. So we've really started to push through this, this industry very, very heavily and aggressively within the last couple of years. And I can tell you now, um, just even looking at some of these Facebook groups that I'm still connected to. We are moving at full speed on this. We have really come to dominate. Now, the unfortunate sad part of what you've mentioned is that no, we're not amongst you know the influencers that are out there. And um, we were fortunate enough to where a representative um, from Cricket was in one of our clubhouse rooms, and that was that topic came up. And I was happy that she acknowledged that Cricket recognized they have not done. Um, their part to ensure um, that their representation was fair across the board. 
because when you look at their influences for their projects, there aren't any brown beauties um, on those projects. And so I was happy when one of the attendees brought that to their attention. So that's something, you know, we have to start being more vocal about because we're purchasing this equipment, we're purchasing these supplies, and it's going to take our voice to move forward in that corporate world and to get into their face, into their spaces. Um, I'm happy to see that they're in these groups and they can see the growth on Facebook. We're out there. And when I say we're out there, you have some women making six figures and up just being a crafter. And you know how I feel about the word crafter. We're just creative entrepreneurs, but they are making awesome moves. And, and when I say the ceiling is no longer the ceiling, it's now the floor because there's so much that we could do now. We're, we're doing it. We're actually making moves in the, in the craft space for sure. And why do you think that the crafting, just like with so many other areas um, that we see in our lives, that it seems to be difficult for corporations and companies to really see people of color, women of color as, hey, this is a, an untapped market here. We need to, you know, I mean, obviously they, they have to have some demographics. They got to be looking at something. So why is it that you think, you know, it, 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 we have to say, hey, uh, hello, you know, all your influences are white. I mean, when, when clearly they can see that, why do you think mm -hmm. that in 2021, we're still really having that push and struggle when we're buying this stuff? And I mean, we're not, you know, I, I listen to the ladies in the, in the club room, in the club, and it's like, they're not buying, you know, old stuff here and there. I mean, they are hardcore going after it and spending money with Cricket and other and, and, and other companies. So why do you think it's still so hard? I just don't think we are aware of our own potential. If I be completely honest, we've been in the shadows of so many things. You can go from corporate, you can go to any, any industry that you want. We're just not mm, in the forefront. We're not the first thought, we're the last thought. And I think it's going to take our voices to push forward in that. And that's what I think is great about Facebook and these um, groups. It has allowed us to create these platforms. Um, I have now a, at least two, I have two CEOs of two really big companies in my Facebook group. I wasn't even aware they were in there. I was told that they were in there. And I went and researched it out and found out it was true. The fact that they are putting themselves smack in the middle of these groups and they can see what's coming from it I think this is the, it, it was a great platform and way to, to open it up to be seen because we weren't being acknowledged at these craft shows. There was just no way for us to have that, but it's gonna take our voice and our um, push and power to start putting it in the forefront and saying, we're here too. We're able to, we can too. And that's really what I'm hoping to come from in the next year or two that we start being more vocal and present because you are right. We are spending money. I'm happy to see that there are other, you know, brown beauties that are influencing. You have those um, currently working with Michaels, which is, um, I think, Karen Baxter. Um, I thought that was a great opportunity that she's now pushing, you know, and, and open up some space and doors um, for us to be in that. Um, you have um, uh, Jamila from Coco Twins, who does amazing artwork, who currently works with Canva and working with Cricut. So we're, we're starting to get there. Is there a lot of work to do? Absolutely. But I'm happy just to see that they were able to make those corporate contacts um, that we've been looking for, you know, those spaces in. So it's getting ready to happen sooner than later. 
And I'm happy um, at the direction it is going. Would I like to see a lot more? Absolutely. Because there's so many other creatives out there that deserve those platforms. And I'm rooting for them to get those spaces and to be known in that. Um, I, I'm just, it's, it's going to happen. That's the great thing. But we have to do so much more to make it happen for ourselves too. And that's called speaking up and being present in the space. You know, that is so true. I think that we do sometimes forget just how much power we have. You know, if we put our collective buying power together, it's sad that we have to push, right? That in, at this day and age, people still don't look at it and say, gee, y'all notice all these people are the same color. You know, it's sad that, that companies still can't recognize that until we make the push, until we, you know, become that nag, that thorn in the side that says, not until I see some people who look like me when I know people that are buying all y'all stuff. Right, but they don't get exactly. to be an influencer. They don't get to get some of the perks that come with that, the, the marketing and advertising dollars that you get once you get to a certain level. So I, I do agree that we are still just gonna have to be that that push because sadly, even in this day and age, Lord, they and there's power in our push. Yes. I think if we actually, um, if I were to look at everything and say, what's our biggest, biggest holdback? Hold back? We're afraid of our potential in it. And I say afraid because we don't know. It's new space for a lot of us brown beauties in this craft space. You know, knowing the value of what you're actually doing, you know, and putting that into, con uh, into context of this is something that I know has the potential to make money. You know, this is something that I created from your project and, you know, your product and was able to take it to another level. And staying consistent in it, we literally have, a pow have power in our push. And we have to start doing just that, pushing ourselves, pushing our product, pushing our presence. And it's gonna take us. We, we literally have to do it and fight like never before to be in this space. And, and it's gonna happen, but we have to stay consistent with it too. We do, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, of hearing more of these ladies that I've had the great opportunity to get to know, having the chance to say, hey, that they're now gonna be an influencer for a cricket or any of the other machines that have come along. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, tell me a little bit more about your business specifically. What do you specialize in? Where would you like to see your business go? Oh my gosh, I, I, I could dream super big for my own self. Um, considering where I started and to see me where I'm at now, um, I've, you know, over the 20 plus years that I've been crafting, there's so much stuff that I have done. Um, I think for the end of 2020, um, I did a reevaluation and said, I'm, I'm able to make everything that I put my hand to. And that's what us all creative crafters do. And I looked at my craft supplies and things I've tried, I've done it, sold some things, made some things for people. And I started looking at some of my investments of money that I've spent on equipment and all those things. And for 2021, I really wanted to um, launch creative entrepreneurs into the business space, like opening up eyes and mindset to people to say, do you know what you do currently can be an actual business? Not just so, you know, ad hoc, you know, someone call you to make potato chip bag covers and things like that. You can really take this and streamline a product and scale it to where it's a business and really make money from it. And I started just pinning things to paper saying, I can do this, but what do I really want to see from this? And so 2021, I started looking at just crafting from a full business perspective. 
not just something I enjoyed doing, but, but seeing it actually grow to something. So in the very beginning, I did not do any projects, any orders. I had people to call me to make a couple orders. You know, I've done the diva reefs. I've done, like I say, the party bags, the party frames, um, events and all of that. I wanted to see a product where it actually took off and actually made a specific amount of money for the year. So I decided to move and transition over into doing customizing uh, apparel and things like that. T-shirts um, with the new, you know, the process, whether it's using vinyl, you may hear the term sublimation right now. That's a hot thing in the craft space that people are doing. And when I came into Clubhouse to hear some other crafters saying that during the whole pandemic, you got people know that made, you know, 60 to $100,000 crafting during a pandemic. So I decided for myself, I want to actually show this can be done because I've been an entrepreneur. I've had other businesses before, but this one here, I said, I want to merge the two things that I love the most and that's crafting and being an entrepreneur. And I want to show somebody actually that this can work, that don't believe it can work for them, that actually give them that motivation, inspiration to say, you actually can do this and it can be done. So I'm currently doing um, customized work and I'm working with um, businesses, getting them started with their branding. I've decided to focus more in that area. I'll do custom orders that people ask, but I'm currently working with three entrepreneurs to get their branding off the ground. That's everything that they need to do to get their products out there. And then a lender just asked me to do some shirts for him. So I'm gonna be working on a design um, for shirts that he wants to give to his customers when they close. So I'm going more in that direction with my creative you know, space or things that I do is to start doing more business branding um, to help those growing businesses that are getting started on how to get their presence out there and to get them an actual brand product going. So that's really what I'm focusing on for 2021. I still have my other things that I do. I'm working on being a wholesaler. Um, so stay tuned for that. So I'll announce that later, but I'm actually working on wholesaling. So I've been pulling inventory and building a site for that as well. Okay, I'll be a craft supplier. <laughs> I know with your hands and everything. <laughs> Why do you think that it's so hard for people to believe? Personally, I think it's the word crafting. But why do you think it's so hard for people to believe that there is serious money to be made? I think a lot of people still see it as a hobby. Like you're sitting in here making these t-shirts or whatever, and they still think, how can you really? I think it's the word. But why do you think it's so hard for people to believe that there is serious money that can be made taking this little machine, this cricket or whatever you got and really moving forward and making some serious money. Why do you think that's so hard for folks? You know, Miss Karen, you've been in my, my rooms and you know how I feel about the word crafter. That word, oh my gosh. Um, I think every day I take notes and just jot down thoughts of trying to figure out a way to replace that word. Because crafter, was just that. Those were just your popsicle sticks, glue sticks, and glue gun projects back in the day. This is when you saw them at, you know, craft fairs at school. They were called the craft fair, um, the holiday craft fair, you know, and those were things that people just made at home and they just came out to show them, you know, often people thought they were cute and creative. And that word just has not a good quality. Um, thought behind it, you know, people don't take the seriousness of the creativity that was put into that. Now, that's why that word don't fit in this space. 
These are true, unique, creative people that have taken some, taken some little element that they found in the store, whether it's from the Dollar Tree, Hobby Lobby, Michaels, or any of that, and have made some amazing creations from it that do not fit the word craft at all. What we're doing now, crafting could never encompass what it takes to, to make the things that are being done now. I mean, even with you being in Clubhouse, you hear some of the things that people talk about in the process, the time, the pieces that it takes to do it, um, what it go through, you know, the, the whole beginning stage of it. You can take a, um, a creation and it'll take a person a whole week. To me, that is something so creative and unique beyond your mind of what it took to even make that. So I always say, call us, you know, creative entrepreneurs, you know, uh, people have given different, um, you know, words to come forward, but I think it's just the word itself. And with that, this is where people don't see the value in themselves, which then has the people not seeing the value in them either. So when people look at your work and they go, oh, that's so crafty. I don't, that's, that's a no, because there's nothing crafty about what we're currently doing. When I say the game has changed, it has literally changed from back in the 90s. It's not the same. And I think we're going to have to redefine what we do because it does not fit the word crafter or crafting at all. We're going to have to change that soon. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, I think so. It's the word. I think people still have like what you described in their minds and they just can't fathom somebody really making a, a go, this is what they do for a living. But it's, you know, and some of this stuff when we are on there and people will replace their profile picture with something they've made. And I'm, and I'm like, shut up. Like it is, like you said, <laughs> this is not, you know, some glue and a couple of little popsicle sticks and some cotton balls. You this got it. The next level <laughs> stuff. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Um, so I do think that part of it is the word for sure. And I'm looking forward to um, when they do change that, because if you're not in this space, you don't really realize it's, it's serious out here, what is really going on. If you're not in the space at all, you don't know. Um, Very so, serious. I know, right? They are, they real, they real. They real. <laughs> what has been for you, one of the greatest rewards of starting your Facebook group and now having your club on clubhouse, what has been the greatest reward for you in that? The greatest reward has been meeting new people. As long as I've been crafting, I've never met this many people. I've never had this much contact. I've never had this much exposure. I've never seen this much creativity. I knew it was there because I'm a creative crafter myself. But to connect with other people and see the things that they do and to hear their story, and that's another part about crafting. You can talk to 10 people and they'll tell you 10 different reasons why they started crafting, why they continue to craft and what is done for them. Not just on the financial piece, you have people with mental health and this, it's been a balance for them. So I've been able to hear those stories and to connect with people on those levels. I mean, even pre-COVID, I hosted um, entrepreneurial workshops, vendor, vending events, you know, and just to see the create, creative things that they've done. That was great, wonderful and excellent. But being between Facebook and Clubhouse and you're actually hearing people and walking them through their journey, um, even being able to answer questions that somebody didn't want to answer. You know, they have a direct contact where they can come in and ask a question. 
and have an assortment of people to answer them for them. So I would have to say that that contact, that connection, the whole conversation piece is has been amazing just in one year. One year for Facebook and what are we at? Four or five months for Clubhouse because I just got on Clubhouse in December. So it's been a fast track just being on Clubhouse as well. And how many people would you say are in your in your club on Clubhouse? Um, the last I checked, um, the club members on Clubhouse, it's like 2,000, almost 3,000 people. It's like 2,500 some people. So that grows just about every day because I go in and I see new member requests and I go in and I um, add them as members and then like 800 followers. So they combine them. They said there's really no separation of them. So if I had to say, we're about at 3,000 for the whole collectively. No, that's since December. And I have to say, December. just being in the room, it is always good. As you said, you, you all of the connections, people that come from other countries. I mean, we've had people from other countries in there talking about the things they're doing. I think for me, I do appreciate the fact that everybody's willing to help each other. So, you know, if you've got a vendor and I look at something, you, hey, do you mind telling me who that is? Like, there's no, um, you know, I got mine, you get your assist. You know, everybody's been, <laughs> and I, it's like, really? It's not, I live in Florida and you live in Texas, but you don't want to, okay oh it's just you know the, exactly it's like oh my god the amount of people who've just been willing to help and I just have to give a shout out to you you know you um have people asked about accountability groups and you helped to uh you organize those and my accountability group I have met oh my god I love these women they're like sisters so we we probably <laughs> talk three or four times a week actually you know like talk and then messaging back and forth with our affirmations and hey how are you doing with this and what about this goal literally every day um and we formed this this sisterhood in a very short amount of time um and I don't think any of us are in the same place it's like I'm in Florida somebody else is in like Missouri Connecticut DC uh, Texas we're all over the place but mm -hmm. um Atlanta yeah Courtney's in Atlanta so we um have been able to form this bond these six women of color who our, our, our accountability group is journaling and planners. So we're all selling the same stuff. Technically, you could see one another as competitors because we're all getting our Etsy and our Shopify, whatever mm -hmm. we're using, but that isn't the space we come from. It's like, girl, can you look at this and tell me what you think? Or um, I, I like those pins better. Where, where did you get that vendor from for your stuff? Or, you know, I'm gonna make a cover out of this. Like we've done projects together. So um, I have really been appreciative of that because it has expanded even my own network um, with these ladies that I would not have had the opportunity to meet had I not, you know, stepped out there on Clubhouse, even though at first I was like, Lord, it's all these people talking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, something you just said is really, I would, the whole thing of competition is erased. When we come in there and talk, it's about collaboration. There is no competition. You are your own competition. We, 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 and that's really been the hold in a lot of us moving forward. And I say us, um, because that fear of someone doing it before me or better than me or more than me, or me being left behind, where if we come together and collaborate, we all can move together, which is a great thing about those accountability groups everybody's working together in different states at different, you know, in different states and at different stages um, in their journey of creating something and moving forward with it. And there's no intimidation there. 
So I think too, if we can allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable. Now, don't get me you know, wrong, things happen. There, there are some out there that do have ill intent of you know, taking advantage of people, but you connect with the right group of people or person. There's so much that you can do collectively. You know, wherever you're weak at, they're strong at, and you, you bring that together to say, we're gonna help each other in this process. So when you mention the accountability groups, I'm so excited about these groups. I'm, I, I get excited when I hear the feedback. So how's it going in your group? And what have you been able to grow and you know get from your group? And to hear the feedback of people that, like you say, I didn't know this was possible to have a conversation with other people in this space and we can share ideas and, and grow, help each other grow. So hopefully that will start to, to expand even more and you will see that come together where there's a group, different parts of the world that come together and make it happen for each other. That's a beautiful thing to see amongst women. So to have you say your experience in that, um, I say we got to keep going with these accountability groups because they're going to help some people do some amazing things. I agree. And I mean, we won't get on this long because child, that'll be a whole nother podcast topic. But I do think <laughs> that there is this perception that women especially have a hard time doing that and being able to not get that fear up when you see somebody, oh, look at her stuff, you know, instead of just kind of being a little vulnerable, you know, get have some discernment, ask the Lord to help you to know who to, you know, right. have that type of relationship <laughs> with. But to know that there are people who they just want to see you win too. And there's enough, there's enough money out there, enough people buying journals and planners or whatever, that the six of us don't have to feel like we're competing against each other. We can just help each other along the way. You know, we've bought from one another, um, looked at each other's stuff. So yeah, I think it's really when you can get into that space. And I'm not saying it's that way with women all the time. That is the perception. And sometimes exactly. that is the reality. And so to be able to do that regularly, I think is really refreshing um, in the group. So I just had to mention that. Um, I wanted to ask you, oh yeah, uh, girl, you're doing it. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I wanted to ask before we go, you've been crafting for, for years. And so I, that means your children have had a chance to see that. And I know you've talked about at least one daughter that you're helping open a boutique, but how has watching you on your entrepreneurial journey impacted your children? Um, so I'm an empty nester. You guys have heard me brag about that now. Um, sent the last one off to college last year. So she finishes up her first year at the end of the month. And um, it's kind of like that father that watches sports, plays sports. And he hopes that one day one of his sons will play sports. And then they get grown and say, nope, I don't want to play sports. So I kind of have that feeling like, okay, one of these girls, they might like crafting, you know, they've seen mommy do it. Mm-mm. Uh, they did not pick up the crafting gene or the bug. However, they've done some amazing things and having an interest in entrepreneurship. And I said, okay, God, I'll take that. Um, that that's amazing. So they launched their own <laughs> t-shirt line uh, without telling me, did all of the work themselves. And then they finally dropped it in our group chat one day. Now, a part of me as Smother Mother was saying, well, why didn't they ask me to help them? They know I could do, you know, but I got later why they didn't tell me. One, they didn't want me to take over the project and be the boss. Okay, no problem. Uh, but they wanted to just do it themselves. Our kids have 
watched us over the years. Um, you know, we were doing real estate and they were at the closing table with us. Uh, we have in houses and they would be on site with us, you know, seeing everything that we were doing. They would see the checks, they would see the process. And they were babies. They, none of them were in high school, they were even under middle school, two in middle school and then two in elementary school. So they had seen us moving in business, even when I opened my shoe store, you know, they would be there. So I wasn't, you know, surprised that they did it and saw how well they did at it just to launch it. So when they picked up that piece, it was like, wow, you know, you just never know your kids are watching you, you know, for people that say that they really are. And you're hoping they pull the best part of you out and make it even greater for themselves. So I'm happy to see them doing things in the entrepreneur space. Um, my oldest son wants to get back into real estate. So he's trying to convince his mother and father to do that. And then I have my daughter who, um, all of them in college. So I'll say that they're all in college, but they still have that piece of wanting their own. So like my son, he's um, sports medicine. So he wants to open up his own practice. So having ownership on their brain is still, you know, is, is refreshing to hear um, that they don't want to just work for somebody else. And then I have my daughter who is at Howard. Um, this is her last year and she wants to launch her boutique, which is launching this week. So she's doing an online boutique. So seeing those pieces come from them. And then I have the baby girl who likes to do nails and hair. So that's her side hustle money while she's at college. So each one of them have a piece that they're doing and, and as a mother, I love it. You know, they got the working part from their dad and then they got the entrepreneurial hustle part from their mom. So I'm happy. I love it. It's, it's amazing to watch them do things. And I think it's so key what you said, because again, a whole nother podcast episode, but um, <laughs> I do think it's important for us to have our children when we do have a business or they have an opportunity to see that so that even if they don't follow in our footsteps in terms of whatever our business is, they have that drive to want to do something where they control it um, and not always having to work to get a check from somebody else. So I think that that is um, absolutely true because they need to really witness that. Um, and before, yeah, for sure. I think it does really spark something in them. So unfortunately, <laughs> you didn't get a, you didn't get a creative entrepreneur out of it, but you got an entrepreneur, you know, several. I know. So. That's what I say. Hey, I can't get a hundred percent, thousand percent lamb. But I'll take the business side. It can do some great things with that. <laughs> and um, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but I want to make sure that I ask you to let everybody know where they can find you if they want to follow you. Oh, wow. I am on Facebook in my Facebook group, which is under Brown and Bougie, B-O-U-G-I-E, Creative Crafters. And I am on Clubhouse. Um, the club is under the same name, Brown and Bougie. Um, well, we talk about all things crafting, related to entrepreneurship, getting your business credit, getting your business established. And then, you know, anything that comes to the Facebook group, which I love. There's an amazing group of moderators and helpers that answer questions, projects come through that. Oh my gosh, there's some amazing projects that come through that Facebook group. But those are the two spaces I pretty much um, hang out in right now. And I am loving it. So you can always connect with me on either one of those. I definitely encourage anybody who's listening to this, who is in that crafting space and they're looking for their team, for their tribe, join us, <laughs> the Brown and Bougie team. There <laughs> Thank you go. You. There you go. Join your, us. Vibe is your, your tribe is your vibe. You got to have a good one going for you or you will not survive. You will not. 
This that is definitely true. So I'm glad I found my tribe. I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm glad you found us too. I enjoy you hanging out in the room as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sharp, for being my guest for today. That is all the time we have. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. You can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that's all the time we have for this episode. So until we speak again, be blessed.